Welcome to the Wisdom School, a podcast by the Perennial Leader Project. To learn more and support the show, visit us at perennialleader.com. So when you read Bertrand Russell's book, you know, you go in this bookstore, you get this book on philosophy, you get to the end of it. What gives you the belief that, yes, this is something I can do. This is something, you know, that I should, I should follow and pursue. Anything come to mind? Yeah. Well, it, it, because it was exactly the things I'd always thought about. It yeah. was absolutely familiar to me, this way of thinking. The idea, uh, again, going back to the question of why there's something rather than nothing, the world never actually made sense to me. There was no reason for it. It could go out of existence at any, any second for all I knew. So this sort of deeper way of looking at the world and trying to figure out what lies behind it or at a deeper level, that was exactly what is in that Bertrand Russell book. And he describes it so plainly that mm. even as a novice, I was able to understand it and see, okay, this is kind of my, this is what I've been doing and this is what I've been searching for, this kind of, um, this way of thinking. It blew my mind, completely blew my mind that, that it was there, all of the things I've been thinking about. I, I was reading it on a bus. I started reading it on, a, on, the, on the bus, going back from the bookshop, and I was just like, what? This is amazing. <laughs> I, I love this idea of just the power of, of a book that can open you up to something you've been thinking about or you know something new and really alter the trajectory of, of someone's life. And, and I really enjoyed um, th this book, the life is short. I, I read it on the Kindle version and then also picked up the, the audible version, which is, which is great. Um, and I saw on the uh, one of the reviews, Oliver Berkman called it a, uh, an existential slap in the face. And, and he's a previous guest on the show. So some listeners may remember him, but uh, uh, I love that, but I'd almost maybe add in a good way. But so, so why is this an existential slap in the face, this book that you just put out, you think? Well, because it's, I mean, it's classic existentialism in the sense that it says that there is no essence to what it is to be you, that you're the one who constructs what you are, uh, what you will be in this world. The, the difference from standard existentialism, although you could find similar things in Heidegger, later existentialists, uh, is that it puts the focus entirely on death. So death is the thing that forces you to think about the construction and building your own notion of what you are meant to be and what you are going to be in the world because it imposes a, a sense of urgency on the choices that you make. If it was unlimited, you would, there'd be no sense of, I need to decide now. Am I going to be this? Am I going to do this? Which way am I going to go? And it's in those um, specific decisions that you're carving what you are, basically. You're carving your past, and then that makes you who you are. And one of the things I um, really liked about the book, and this comes from the physics side, is this idea that we're not only choosing um, who we are, but every solid decision we make also 
determines how the universe goes. The universe doesn't know what it's going to do. And so we decide what we're going to do as well. So this relates to some things known as um, uh, participatory realism in quantum mechanics, a whole new class of interpretations of quantum theory that have come out. Mm. Due to John, uh, this guy, John Wheeler, came up with it initially. So this, I think, is very a very interesting way of thinking about physics because it's completely opposed to how we usually think about physics, which is that we're just passive and we observe, we make measurements and we reveal how the world was before. But with these new approaches, it's you that's playing a role, not a, not a complete role, playing some role in determining what the universe does next. And that gives you a sense of agency and a sense of responsibility in how the future goes. And you can think of building the future in this way, whereas in the other way, you can't. You're not really responsible. So, you know, why should you be battling whatever, climate change or whatever other issue it is? How can you do that even if you don't have free will and the ability to um, determine how the universe goes? So there's a whole bunch of ways that projects that, come off this book. This was kind of a starting, a sort of jumping off point for a bunch of things I'm looking at now. Nice. You write in the beginning of the book, this idea, you mentioned it there of, you know, maybe boundaries, this game of life, it, it has to have boundaries. Why is that important? And, and maybe how does it connect with a meaningful life? Yeah, I mean, so this is, I mean, it goes to what we were just saying there. If you, if you are unlimited, if you have no constraints or no boundaries on how you can act and what you can do in the world, then you can sample all possibilities. And if you're sampling all possibilities, then when you're not really doing anything. If you're doing everything, it doesn't really uh, amount to a choice or a sacrifice or a decision of sorts. It's a, I compare it, again, because I sort of have this background in physics, I compare it to the, um, the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics. So usually when we make a measurement of something, we think we get that answer out and the other one is gone. That, that doesn't exist anymore. In many worlds interpretations, you make a moment, so you've got two possibilities for the answer that the world can give you, heads or tails. Imagine it's a coin. If both happen, then you haven't really got an, an answer, a, a definitive answer. Nothing has happened. If everything happens, nothing happens in a weird way. And things like probabilities don't make sense. And So... Sort of, it, it's a, it's necessary for coherence, for the coherence of things like choice and action and decisions and sacrifice of other possibilities. That you have this boundary that's limiting what you can do, and without that, then you're not really carving out a meaningful life because you can just do anything, be anything. You can't be everything. That's not really a coherent um, scenario for a human. So, and I think so. I mean, this is not the only source of, of meaning of life. This is what I think is a very significant source of meaning that most people overlook is that we're responsible for choosing what we're going to be and choosing what kind of universe we have around us at the same time, which I think is a sort of hugely meaningful position for humans. It relates to some things that I mentioned this in the book that um, C.G. Jung, the, the psychologist C.G. Jung mentions about the but humans being the sort of second creators, they sort of they're the additional bit that objectifies and tells the universe what it's going to be and what it's going to do. It goes back to you. I mean, you're called the this is the perennial 
what's the, the podcast is the perennial podcast right you're talking, looking at perennial issues and this goes back to a lot of perennial wisdom there's a, a famous mystic called Jakob Burma who has this idea that without humans involved the world would just be in chaos